Want to learn how to leverage your marketing to get clients on repeat? Charge a fee that leaves you with money in your pocket even after you've finished paying your bills? And finally, stop working with the clients that you've long outgrown? Liberated Business is a transformational program that combines group and one-on-one work so you get the best results possible. This differs from every other program out there because it helps you make money while supporting your joy and liberation throughout your entrepreneurial journey. Liberated Business starts this June and runs through November, and enrollment is open now. Visit thebadtherapist.coach liberatedbusiness to get all of the details and sign up. DM me on Instagram at thebadtherapist with any questions or to learn more. I cannot wait to get started with you. My encouragement to you is actually to get yourself out there, start talking about your work, and I'm here to tell you that this momentary shift in your practice doesn't mean anything about your ability as a therapist. You're still a fantastic therapist. You don't need to question that. You still do really good work with your clients. So get out there and talk about your work, talk about your specialty, help people understand why you're the right practitioner for them to work with. The really cool thing that can start to happen, and I know I've experienced this in my businesses, is that once I have one new person who says yes, I get kind of excited and I'm like, ooh, that was really fun. That felt really effective. And I get kind of like, into like, okay, what about that just worked? How can I do that again? Hey there, and welcome to The Bad Therapist Show, the podcast for current and aspiring private practice therapists who want to earn more money, work less, and have a way bigger impact. I'm your host, Felicia, The Bad Therapist, former goody-goody therapist turned six-figure private practice owner and therapist business coach. I'm here to help you learn everything you need to know about private practice and expanding beyond the one-to-one model so you can earn more money and increase your impact as a therapist without burning out or hustling. Using my proven liberated business method, therapists at all stages of business have been able to grow their income while becoming even better therapists. And I'm on a mission to help you do the same. It's time for you to get your time back and enjoy being a therapist again. You ready? Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to The Bad Therapist Show. I'm your host, Felicia, The Bad Therapist. Today, we're talking about what to do during slumps in your practice, when a bunch of clients leave at once or go on vacation, or you're having a harder time attracting clients after having had some success in your business. We're in the heart of summer right now, and historically, this is a slow time for therapists, though In individual practices, that may not be true, but industry-wide, this tends to be a slower time. And this can be super intense for therapists. My hope today in this episode is to give you some advice that will make moments like this in your business less painful and maybe even enjoyable. So let's get into it. I want to begin by talking about what happens in a private practice if you are a high-fee therapist. Now, if you're a high-fee therapist, chances are you have fewer clients, but every client being in your practice or not has a bigger impact on your revenue. If you're charging lower rates for your therapy services, you are probably having to see a much higher volume of clients in order to meet your financial needs. But once you start having those higher fees, you may be able to sustain a caseload that is as little as 10 clients. 
And that's great. It means you have tons of time to do other things, plenty of time for admin, marketing. You might even have time for other pursuits like creating an online course or a podcast or whatever you want. But the reality is that when one or two of those clients leave, that can have a thousand, multi-thousand dollar impact on your revenue each month. This isn't necessarily a bad thing. At the end of the day, I would still rather charge higher fees and have a smaller caseload than have uh, much lower fees and a much bigger caseload, but have maybe less of a swing in clients. And I will say that having a lower fee and potentially having more clients isn't a guarantee that your uh, revenue wouldn't be impacted because there could still be times when several people leave your practice and you're going to feel this whether or not you're a high fee therapist or a low fee therapist. It's just that when you're a high fee therapist, every single client makes a bigger impact. But the other really cool thing about that dynamic is that it also doesn't take many clients to have an impact in a positive direction. So when you're suddenly out, say, $1,000 a month that you were expecting that maybe you were bringing in typically in your practice because one or two clients left, that really only means you have to convert one or two clients to get yourself back where you were before. Nonetheless, regardless of the fees that you're charging, when a few clients leave, this can feel really, really intense. Now, this is super normal. It happens from time to time. Sometimes you see it coming. Sometimes it feels like everybody's gotten together and had a conversation and then they all show up in your practice and we're like, we're leaving now. Or we'd all like to reduce the frequency of our sessions or we're all going on vacation or we're all sick. Sometimes it really does feel oddly coordinated, which of course it is not, but oftentimes we we can't see this coming and it doesn't actually indicate that we've done something bad in our practices, done something wrong. It's just part of the natural ebb and flow of running a therapy practice and it's to be expected. In my experience, the moments when this is happening in my business always feel way more intense than in many ways they actually are. Like once I'm through it, once I'm on the other side, I kind of look back on that and I'm like, whoa, I was really freaking out there. That was super stressful my brain was going to some dark places. Like I was being pretty hard on myself. I was being pretty pessimistic, but man, actually that was only a few weeks or that was only a few months. And when I can have that perspective, it's just so much better. And it's the truth, you know, in the grand scheme of your therapy practice and the grand scheme of your life, most of these hardships are only going to be lasting a few weeks to a few months. And Part of what is so, so hard about these moments is that that's not really the context that we're considering them in. What I mean to say is if we had the faith and the trust that this was in fact going to work out no matter what, then those moments of having fewer clients temporarily wouldn't feel so intense. The thing that really does make it intense is that it throws us into questioning ultimately whether or not we can succeed. And that is way too much pressure to be putting on ourselves. And it's not even realistic. Of course, over time, we're going to succeed. You've heard me say this before, but business requires constant adaptation. You are going to have to change and adapt to the market, to uh, our industry, to what clients are looking for, to trends around marketing throughout the course of your practice. And so encountering a moment in which you need to shift or change is just to be expected. And again, it doesn't even indicate that you've done something wrong. 
And in fact, it may be the best course of action to not really change anything. And I'll talk about that a bit later. But sometimes it's really just a matter of in those moments, trying to calm yourself, trying to regulate your nervous system and using that time in other ways, which again, I'll get into. Something a mentor said to me a while ago, and she was sharing this with me in the context of me talking about someone I was dating, and I've probably mentioned this on the show before, but I was angsting over, did I say the right thing or not? Like, did I get this wrong? And she said, if this is for you, if this is if this relationship is for you, you can't possibly fuck it up. You couldn't fuck up this relationship by like saying the wrong thing. If that's enough to ruin this relationship, then guess what? It wasn't going to work out anyway. And I feel that way about my businesses. If it's for me, having a few weeks where I have fewer clients or having a program launch that didn't go well or making a change on my therapy website that didn't have the impact that I thought it might have, all of those things don't have to be a big deal. They're just problems to solve. They're just things for me to be curious about and adapt. But when I am relating to my business as if this one thing doesn't quote unquote work, then that means that this whole thing can't work. That's where things get really, really painful and totally separated from reality. So I want to share that with you. You cannot actually mess this up. That's not how this works. As long as you're alive and breathing, you have the ability and the option to adapt and to try something new. Being a business owner, including being a therapist in private practice, is about experimentation. I'm not trying to say that your business will always require the same amount of energy or type of energy or that you'll have to continue to adapt in such a way that it's exhausting. Like, I definitely don't want to normalize that. I think there are systems you can put in place with enough time, you'll get data about your business and you'll get a sense of what works and what doesn't. And you'll be able to create systems around that. So I'm not saying that like it's a constant like (laughs) frantic running around like whack-a-mole trying to solve problems, but there will be an element of needing to adapt again and again over time. This isn't a problem. So if something isn't working in your business right now, that's okay. You can try something different. Something that therapists will sometimes conclude, especially after they've raised their fees and maybe some clients have left, maybe the new clients who are going to pay that fee haven't quite shown up yet, is they'll say, oh, there we go. I did it wrong. Of course, I shouldn't have raised my fee. I knew that wasn't for me. I don't know how these other therapists do it. They must know something I don't know. This is proof that I can't actually charge that much money. And I don't think that's true. (laughs) I think there are clients at every price point everywhere. And my experience has shown me that actually people at a whole lot of different socioeconomic levels can and will choose to invest a lot of money in therapy. I'm not saying that they should, but I'm saying that In my experience, it hasn't only been quote unquote rich people who pay high fees. And I know for a lot of therapists, that is a concern. They think if I'm charging higher fees, I will only work with a certain segment of the population. And in my experience personally, that just hasn't been true. I'm not going to say that that isn't probably true for some therapists, but it hasn't been true for me. So again, I don't think that if you are not having as many clients as you would like right now, that that means that you did the wrong thing by raising your fee. I think some other things could be going on and we can also talk about that. Okay, so we've talked about why this can be such an intense experience for therapists. Now we're going to talk about some things that can help you when you find yourself in that situation or if you find yourself in that situation. Look, I would love for you never to experience this, but the reality is 
there's a pretty high likelihood that at some point in your business, you will. Again, not a problem, not a bad thing. But what do you do when that happens? Well, first, I hope that you'll maybe re-listen to the first few minutes of this podcast for some encouragement, for some reminders that this doesn't mean that you fucked it up, that you've done something terribly wrong, but rather that this is a very normal part of running a business. Just that goes a super, super long way. But beyond that, what are some other things to do? Like if, if let's say you are really, really stressed out and like staying the course doesn't feel like you can do it right now. Like for instance, um, let's say you're continuing to market your therapy practice, but you're like, oh, I just need something to change right now. I'm getting so stressed out about not having as much money coming in. Like I am just having such a hard time regulating. Sometimes a really nice move can be to create a bit of a release valve in terms of how money is coming into your life. So for instance, creating another stream of income that doesn't feel as loaded for you. And this is going to be so different for every single person. And this isn't always going to, this isn't going to be the right option for everyone. For some people, this just wouldn't work. So if this is for you, great. If not, leave it be. But getting a job at like a cafe could be really fun. Getting a job uh, babysitting, if you like doing that. I know these sound like teenager jobs, and I guess they kind of are. But again, sometimes it can be really nice just to have some money coming in through a different route other than your therapy practice, again, to create a bit of a release valve. And sometimes that can create a bit of a momentum or it can kind of loosen things up around money. Like money can start to feel really gritty and tight, and maybe you're getting a bit scared. And just having the experience of like, oh, right, money can come to me. I totally know how to do this. I know how to make money. I know how to receive money. And just having a place in your life where receiving money is happening with more ease can be enough of a little shake to nudge whatever's going on in your practice loose so things can begin to flow there again. This also relates to killing your ego. So something that can really get in the way for us, especially if we've had some success, is thinking that others are paying so much attention to us that they're going to be tracking, oh my gosh, her practice was full and now it's not full. Oh, she must be bad at her job. Like We're imagining that people are tracking that. We're thinking they're paying a lot of attention to us. Or maybe it's not even as specific as that. Like Maybe we don't actually think people are paying that much attention, but we just feel a little embarrassed going out and marketing and talking about our practice and talking about our services. Because sometimes when several people leave, we conclude like, well, what did I do wrong as a therapist? Maybe I'm not actually doing such a great job. How could I possibly go out there and say, hey, you should hire me. So it can really shake our confidence. And then our EOs can come in and be like, yeah, that's totally right. You should probably hide. You're probably not actually good at this. Like go away. Right. And that shame can really get the better of us. And then that can really trigger a sort of self-fulfilling sort of downward spiral. And that's the last thing that we want. We don't want this to be happening in your practice. And it's just so easy to do when we're feeling tenderhearted. And if we have any tendencies towards shame. So if you are listening to this and you're like, oh, I'm feeling that, or I have felt that I remember that that was painful. My encouragement to you is actually to get yourself out there, start talking about your work And I'm here to tell you that this momentary shift in your practice doesn't mean anything about your ability as a therapist. You're still a fantastic therapist. 
You don't need to question that. You still do really good work with your clients. So get out there and talk about your work, talk about your specialty, help people understand why you're the right practitioner for them to work with. The really cool thing that can start to happen, and I know I've experienced this in my businesses, is that once I have one new person who says yes, I get kind of excited and I'm like, ooh, that was really fun. That felt really effective. And I get kind of like, into like, okay, what about that just worked? How can I do that again? And even before that moment, a great thing to do is to look back and think, okay, well, how did I get my last client? And can I do a bit of that? So often, if we get super focused on our goal and we get our ego out of the way and just kind of go all in on it in a very shameless way, that's where I see people, including myself, get the most change in their businesses. The ego just does so much to block us from receiving. So if we can get that out of the way, and I know that's really easier said than done. In fact, that's kind of like one of the main purposes of therapy is to help us kill our egos. I mean, maybe that's dramatic language, but you know what I mean. Um, Yeah, I mean, I know it's not easy to do, but be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for your ego wanting to hide you, wanting to keep the parts of you that feel tender away. I'm not saying go out on the internet and share all your tenderness. Um, Definitely don't share from the wound, share from the scar. That's like a bit of advice for like what to share in your marketing. That's not our topic for today. I can always get into that another time. But point being like, you don't need to go online and share all the tenderness and how this is so hard for you. That's not necessarily right, but get out there and be shameless about why you're so good at what you do and why people should be hiring you. Okay, so let's say that now you're on the other side of this. Like summer is winding down, people are getting back into their schedules, you're getting more calls, you got one client, then you got another one, and things are kind of feeling like they're flowing again. You're going, phew, all right, made it. That was scary, but I'm on the other side. Next, I want you to consider to put some things in place that will make the next time this happens a lot easier, which is start to build a business emergency fund. Now, we should all be having personal emergency funds. If you haven't started to build one yet, uh, generally what's recommended is having three to six months of your expenses saved. I know that is easier said than done. It took me a very long time to get there. Uh, And I was incredibly intimidated at the start. Like It felt like so daunting, so overwhelming. It was really hard to get started, but I did. And I was able to achieve that. And that feels really good and really helpful now. And if you want support with doing that, there's actually a tab in the magic sheets that once you've filled out your business expenses and your personal expenses, it will actually calculate what your emergency fund amount would be and how much you would need to save each month in order to fill it in a certain time frame. So there's a tool for you around that. Anyway, You should also have an emergency fund for your business. So this would be similarly three to six months of your business expenses. And in this case, we wouldn't include your salary because if you have a personal emergency fund, that's essentially what that's meant to cover. So we're just talking in this case about your operating expenses, your rent, uh, the software that you use in your therapy practice, if you are paying for marketing and assistant and business coach your liability insurance, any of those expenses, the operating expenses of your business. We want to have three to six months of an emergency fund. 
And if you're hearing me say this and you're like, well, Felicia, that all sounds great, but where am I going to get that money? I just have enough money to get by and like maybe pay myself. Okay, well, there's some really important information in that. If you're saying that, if you're like, I don't know where this money would come from, then what that's telling me is that it is time to raise your fee and or adjust your cancellation policy because what we don't want to have happen is for you to have a business where anytime there's a little bit of shakiness, you're suddenly not earning enough money to take good care of yourself. If you're going through the trouble, essentially, and taking the risk involved with being an entrepreneur and having your own business, you should have a business that likewise supports you. It should be serving you. Otherwise, this is quite a lot of risk to be taking on without maybe as much reward as you could be getting out of it. This business should not just get you by. And I realize that there are different uh, stages of goals. Actually getting by may be your first goal. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that if that's where you're starting. But if you've gotten there, now you're just like, okay, I don't need any more. I would really challenge you to push that a bit because what I'd love to see for you is that you do have these emergency funds so that whether it's a moment where a few clients leave unexpectedly or you need money to pay for a larger expense, maybe you want to take yourself on a really nice vacation. Maybe you want to throw your parent a big birthday party because it's a big birthday Maybe you want to take maternity leave. Maybe you want to make a big donation. I don't really care what it is, but let's just say there's a time in your life where you're going to want to have access to more money. Your business should be creating that for you. It should be able to pay your expenses and then some. So if that's not on your radar yet, then what I would really advise is beginning with a personal emergency fund. And then once that's full, Moving on to a business emergency fund, I also highly recommend that you talk to a personal finance advisor. I really recommend Irina McGrath. We'll make sure that a link to her is in the show notes. Um, I've worked with her for years. I really love her. I recommend all of my clients to her. And even if you're not making a lot of money and you're like, what would I even use a financial planner for? Like, I'm not some hot shot, Felicia. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I'm barely paying my bills do it. Go talk to someone because this will help you become educated on and build your financial literacy so that you can start working with money in a way that will actually create some long-term safety for you. It's ultimately not about amassing tons and tons of wealth unless that's something you actually want. This is about keeping you safe and allowing you to have access to the things in your life that make it really fun and pleasurable for you. So again, Things that will make this easier the next time around if this happens again in your business, if you have a dip in clients, is to have an emergency fund set up. The next thing that I would ask you to do is kind of going in the completely opposite direction in terms of like approaches and strategies is I would love for you to write a letter to yourself. Um, and And when I'm imagining this, I'm imagining it like the sort of letter I would write to myself when I was a kid. Sometimes I'd make almost these, uh, Uh, time capsule type letters where it would be like, open this in a year or open this when this thing happens. And I maybe put little stickers on it. I remember, I think I still have one where I like drew chains across it as if it had been like closed and like locked with a chain. I probably even drew a lock on it. But anyway, I would love when you're on the other side of like this moment where things are feeling scary and you're feeling some relief, write a letter to yourself where you talk about how you got through that and the lessons you learned. 
Talk about how you feel now that things have shifted, what you did to help you move through that moment, and any advice you would give yourself if you were to encounter it again. Because when you're in these moments of rockiness in your business, like I said, it feels so intense. We sometimes fear it's going to last forever. We totally doubt ourselves. We can be really unkind to ourselves in those moments. Sometimes we can even have really unkind thoughts towards like the general public or like our potential clients. We're like, I'm doing so much for you. Why aren't you calling me? I invested all this money in a new website and you're not clicking, right? We can get really annoyed. So when you're on the other side of that, take the time to draft a letter to yourself and be really, really sweet and then go save it. Because when this happens again, you're kind of going to lose your mind potentially. And as obvious as it seems to you in this moment that like, well, of course this will pass. And of course this is temporary. And wasn't I so silly to freak out? In the moment when that happens, there's a super high chance you're going to forget that again. So take the time, (laughs) do yourself a favor and write yourself a letter. Really early on in my therapy practice, I started to identify periods like this in my business as fallow periods. Fallow is a farming term. It refers to a period of time in the planting and harvesting cycle when you're letting the fields rest. You're not planting, you're not harvesting, you're not growing. The fields are just chilling. They're resting. And sometimes we take fallow periods very intentionally. We plan on them. Other times, fallow periods choose us and (laughs) we may not even realize it. We may uh, not recognize it for what it is. And instead of resting, we sometimes scramble to hurry up and fill the space. And sometimes it's almost as if we're really working against nature, like something is really telling us, hey, it's time to rest. And we're like, no, 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 no. I should I should be harvesting right now. I should be planting right now. Shit should be growing right now. I'm not supposed to be resting. And sometimes you can make a change and sometimes maybe it's not a fallow period and there's something you do need to shift in your business. Sometimes you just got to chill. You got to go with it. Like stop trying to swim against the current and just let it take you. And what exactly that is going to look like for you in your business is going to is going to be totally unique to you and totally different. I'm I'm not saying uh, to just let everything go, but I am saying if what is happening in your business right now is a moment where there is less activity, it could actually be a really good time for you to rest into that. You might recognize this is happening if you are fighting like hell against it and it's just not working. That may be an indication that it's time for you to chill. This is reminding me of the conversation that I had a while back with Emily Adams when she was telling her about some advice that her father gave her when she was in a fallow period, which is, hey, there's going to be a point in your practice when you are so full and you're going to look back fondly on all that time you had. So again, if you go back to this place where you trust that no matter what you are going to succeed, then how can you skillfully orient to this particular moment in your business? Before we leave today, I want to give you some journaling prompts that are sort of inspired by the topics we covered. They're going to kind of run the gamut of the different things that I've covered here today. So get out a journal write these down. If you're, maybe save them for later. That way, if you're in a moment like this again, you can always come back to them, but here they are. 
your fallow period journaling prompts. What would be a fun way to make $1,000 right now? Who or what am I really protecting by staying in shame? If I knew that this was temporary and my life will get much more busy again, how would I use this time? What would I love to do? And finally, how can I rest more right now? Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you're feeling encouraged and better equipped to navigate fallow periods in your business. Know that they will not last forever. Check out the show notes to get the link to my magic sheets tool, as well as links to my blogs on private practice fees and cancellation policies. I hope you're having a wonderful summer. Remember, you're doing great. That's all today for The Bad Therapist Show. Thanks so much for hanging with me. I hope you got some gems that you can start using right away in your own business so that you can break out of good therapist conditioning and build the business that you want. If you've gotten something out of this episode, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with one of your good therapist friends who really needs to hear it. And while you're at it, please consider leaving a rating and or review so that we can change not just our individual businesses, but transform the mental health system that got us here in the first place. Thank you so much. I'll see you next week for more private practice and coaching tips. Remember, bad therapists make the best therapists.